Hey, y'all, East Coast Ed here. If you'd like to support this podcast, you can be a monthly supporter for as little as 99 cents a month. This podcast will always be free, but if you help Matt and I out for future episodes, supporters will be shouted out on the show, and large supporters will be randomly selected to do predictions for a big pay-per-view event in the future. So please click the support tab and enjoy the show. Hello, ladies and gentlemen, and welcome to the Coast to Coast Combat Hour. I'm your host, Matthew Hawkins, along with my co-host, Ed Carbajal. And on a weekly basis, we plan to bring you the biggest news and interviews in the world of combat sports. Ed, I know you're on Hurricane Watch. Uh, how's it looking out there on the East Coast, brother? So far, so good. Just waiting for the waiting for it to come and leave like all the other storms. <laughs> Seems like you always got something going on out there. Mm-hmm. Well, uh, this week, we're lucky to... Uh, have a special guest, uh, Team Quest fighter Mason uh, Icobellis, uh, up and coming uh, fighter. Like I said, from Team Quest, uh, trained by Sam Alvey uh, here in the Temecula area. Uh, Mason, thanks for joining us. No problem. Thank you for having me. So uh, I basically became aware of you. Uh, I attended the uh, Epic Fighting uh, Thirty Nine event um, at the San Diego Sheraton on uh, August twenty ninth. Um, which was just a couple of weeks ago. Um, and you, uh, you kind of had the highlight of the night that evening, uh, head kick, uh, big head kick on your opponent. And I uh, dropped him and then finished with some ground and pound. Um, how was that night for you? Oh, it couldn't have gone any better. That was my first knockout on my career. And, um, what a lot of people don't know is that that guy actually beat me in a split decision a few years ago. So it felt really good to get revenge. I saw that on the record, and I was going to ask you. I think his name was oh, last name was Ramos, I believe. Is uh, uh, Alberto Romo? Al- Alberto Romo. Uh, is he another local fighter? Uh, yeah, I believe he's from Hemet. Okay. The uh, I saw the finish was uh, uh, pinned to your profile on Twitter. We were talking about it before we went live. Um, who was recording it? That that they got so excited was that that what was from oh. your corner? No, that was one of my good friends, John. I have him. Uh... He takes me to every weigh-in, films every all my fights, all my warm-up stuff. Um, he oh. trains well, so. Where do uh, where do where does he put that? Um, he just has it all on his phone, and then he gives me all the videos I need to post on my social media and stuff. That's cool. So, so the uh, the finish was a, a reckoning for you. You beat somebody that that you said you lost to before. Um, are you one of these guys like bad, older older cats? Especially you train with Team Quest, so. Older guys like to say that uh, when you uh, when you beat a guy that you lost to, you uh, erase the loss. Is that how it feels for you? That's kind of how it feels, yeah. Um, especially because it was he beat me in a split decision, and then I finished him first round. So I feel like it kind of cancels it out. You said that was your first uh, uh, knockout finish. Are you? Uh, do you, do you have like submission finishes? I, I have your record. It's four two and one, but I, I didn't look at the type of wins you have. Yeah, uh, my first fight was uh, I won by rear naked choke in like two minutes. Um, that was with Gladiator Challenge, so it's not on my my actual record. Um, but yeah, I I prefer to stand and strike. It's what fans want to see, and I like to be entertaining as well. But most of my fights end up going to the ground. What's your? Uh, do you know what your? Well, I'm sure you do. But what do you know? What your your uh, your actual record is? Depending on what website, it's it ranges. And every yeah, website I'm, I check, I'm five three and one. Oh. Five three and one. Yeah. Okay. Five three and one. And then, um, what, uh, what you, what weight class do you? I, I see it says like one twenty five to one thirty five. Do you just kind of bounce between featherweight and bantamweight? Uh, I only fought at featherweight once. Um, I won the fight, but I just took it on short notice, so I didn't want to cut weight. Um, but I'm a natural thirty five er for sure. So what's what? your? Uh, I'm sorry. I'm sorry. I didn't mean to jump in there, Matt. Um, oh no, go ahead. Yeah. Uh, what's your? Uh, what, what? What's your preferred? Like your long term goal as far as you you uh, just starting out with the sport. I know you train with a lot of veterans. So do you have like a uh, a look to a certain promotion or with the, with the way the landscape of the sport is changing? Has that has that changed your your uh, perspective at all? As like what you want to do? Um, I'm just focused on like small goals at a time. 
Um, I want to get that state title next. Uh, I'll probably have one more win in between then and then hopefully fight for that state title. And after that, probably go pro. I already have nine amateur fights under my belt. I made my debut when I was 17, so um, real close to approaching my pro career. Um, but I want to get that state title first for sure. Seventeen's young. How? What, what got you? Uh, what got you into interested in the sport? Uh, I just always liked watching it on TV. Was always a big fan, and um, I played football when I was a kid, but that wasn't like physical enough. I needed. I needed more, so started fighting. How old are you now? I just turned twenty-one. Wow. Okay, so you st- you've got nine fights before you're. Uh... By twenty one, that's pretty, pretty impressive, and obviously a good start. What, um, what attracted you to Team Quest? Obviously, the names there and stuff. Was it was it Dan Henderson, or was it just something you kind of stumbled upon walking in the door there? I actually didn't know much about it until I started there. Um, it just happened to be right down the street, so I guess I kind of just got lucky. Yeah, that is lucky, man. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> you know, I've seen I've seen Sam around at a bunch of events and seen him fight for years. Um, from his MFC days in Canada to, you know, to, to obviously his, uh, you know, he's kind of peaking right now uh, in the UFC. Yeah. He's got, he's got a big fight coming up with uh, Noguera in Brazil yeah. um, in a couple of weeks. What's it like training with that guy? Uh, it, it's pretty cool. Um, to me, he's just, he's just Sam. But when you go out with him and um, you see him around other people and then you remember how famous he is, it's, it's kind of funny. Yeah, he's always been really, you know, I, I'm, I'm sure he's obviously he's smiling Sam Alvey. And he's always got the big smile on his face. Um, you know, I, I've never seen him behind the scenes, but he's one of those guys that has always been really fan friendly um, to me and any of my friends who when we run into him at events, he's always uh, he's always really awesome. Take pictures and, and kind of chat it up with everybody. So um, I'm sure it's pretty cool. I, I know I've uh, talked to Virgil Zwicker, who's trained with him a little bit and uh he mentioned that Sam's a pretty cool cat to be around and uh, and fun to train with. Yeah, he's a funny guy. So but, I, I I know you said uh, uh, that you uh, you you don't like to look too far ahead, but like um, you, I know you you said you're a fan of the sport too. What do you uh, as an MMA fan? What do you what do you what do you watch? Like who do you like watching now outside of your training partners? Obviously, um, I really like watching the lower weight classes. Uh, my favorite fighters are Chad Mendez, Cody Garbrandt. I really like those alpha male guys. Um, really looking forward to the Khabib McGregor fight. I think everybody sure. is. <laughs> yeah. yeah. Are you um? Do you like? Are do you have a wrestling background? Is that why that why you like uh, uh Mendez and, and the alpha male guys? I actually don't. I just started MMA all at the same time. Kind of picked it all up as I went, and a lot of people think I'm a wrestler, but I'm. I'm not a pure mixed martial artist. You know, considering that you started, you know, fairly young, um, how was your, how did your family react? Were they, were they cool with it or was there a lot of nerves uh, in the family when you, when you started fighting at 17? Um, my dad really loved it cause he was a martial artist himself. He has his black belt in Kenbo karate from when he was a kid. So it kind of runs in the family. Um, uh, my mom, she wasn't really a fan at first, but once she saw me win my first fight, then she was hooked, and now she's at every one of them. That's cool. Yeah, I mean, obviously, that's <laughs> important to have that support there and not have to worry about. Uh, yeah, you know. So with with the uh, Team Quest guys, I mean, obviously, you have, you know, networking is a big part of any business you want to get into. Fighting is a business. Um, do those guys uh, kind of rub your elbow and, and say like, you know, you need to work your way pro so you can, we can get you in the UFC with us or, or wherever, Bellator, whoever, uh, anyone else fights? No, they don't try to rush me. Mm-hmm. Um, obviously, we try to get as much experience as we can before before going pro. Um, some of my coaches think I'm ready to go soon, um, but not quite yet. I, I kind of want to get like two, maybe three more wins and then go from there. Um, but I'm only 21. I don't want to rush it. And my coaches know that too. What, um, help me, we've, we have talked to, uh, some people who have done amateur fighting and I think it's different from state to state is, is epic fighting. Is that, uh, 
I mean, I should know since I was there, but it's always been a little confusing to me. Is that a mix of pro and amateur? I always get confused by the shin guards, and then some fights don't have shin guards but are still only two or three-minute rounds. Um, how does that work? Um, it's all amateur, um, so there was no pro fights there. But with the shin guard rule, it's if you have less than three fights, you have to wear shin guards, and it's two-minute rounds. If you have more than that, it's three-minute rounds with no shin guards. Okay. So it's kind of confusing, but um, that's camo's rule. No, I mean that makes sense. Now that you say that, I just yeah. it was confusing because certain fight it would kind of bounce around and. Um, yeah. I saw that you uh, on Twitter you were looking for a fight with uh, Tough Enough in in Vegas. Is that something you're still interested in? Absolutely. I was supposed to fight there back in June, um, but my opponent pulled out. So uh, I have been to one of their events. And it was really cool. Definitely looked like a UFC fight. So um, I definitely want to fight there before I turn pro for sure. Yeah, they, they put on a good show. I think they actually have one this uh, – or at least a related show, a co-promotion this, this Friday. Uh, Jeff Meyer is their uh, – I believe is their, their president. Um, I know I'm friends with him on Facebook. And if he listens to this show or sees it mentioned, uh, let's get you a show. I know uh, Corey Turner, one of our earlier guests, is also friends with Jeff and, and fought for Tough Enough uh, before he fought in LFA. So um, – we will uh, we'll definitely do what we can to try to make some contacts and uh, help you get a fight there. That would, that would Sounds be good. Fun. Yeah. So what, what's the uh, what what do you what do you like most about about the, this stage of fighting? I mean, obviously, it sounds like you you're having trouble getting opponents. Is that normal? Um. Uh, yeah, pretty much. It's always hard to find opponents. Everyone gets injured, or at the amateur level, certain people don't want to fight. Um, certain people. Um, and it's, I've had nine fights now, so it's kind of hard to find yeah. with that much experience. Yeah. Cause a lot of amateur guys, they'll do one or two fights and then either they'll go, you know, they'll go move on to something else because they kind of just checked it off their bucket list. But yeah. I mean, when your record, uh, as an amateur, you're, I mean, nine fights, it's that's, that's kind of like, I know you said you wanted to get a few more in before you went pro, but it's like, you know, some, some, some would say, obviously you're already hearing it. It's time to go pro. Um, if you went pro, like, uh, I guess you would, you'd want to get on the uh, regional card near you and then work your way up to, uh, to something, uh, would you be interested in doing something like, uh, like a team MMA or pro fight league or something like that? Yeah, honestly, anywhere I can get a fight, I'll take it. I, I just want to compete. I just want to win. That's all that matters to me. Do you do like uh, grappling tournaments or anything to keep yourself active when there isn't a fight lined up? Never done a grappling tournament, but I train six days a week, two days a week when I don't have work, uh, or I, two, two times a day, I'm sorry, when I don't have work. Um, so I'm always in the gym, never out of shape. So I, I'd rather just do MMA, MMA fights every weekend if I could. I mean, you kind of have to if you want to make it, like obviously at the level where uh, Sam is and stuff, you always hear stories about fighters that work and fight at the same time but it's like once once you're invested in it you kind of it's weird like how do you how, how do you do the work-life balance with uh with training and work um it's definitely rough but um if i work at night i'll train it i'll train in the morning and if i work in the morning i'll train at night if i have the day off i'll go twice but i gotta feed myself i gotta pay my bills at the same time so work comes first um and yeah, it's hard, but I get it done. Are you from the? Uh, are you from Marietta? Are you born here? Uh, do you have a? You know, when you have your fights, do you have a big local following? Did you go to high school and everything in, in the area? Yeah, I've been here my whole life. Um, depends on where the fight's at. Like if it's pretty close, I'll have a big, big fan base. Um, but if it's far, just like my immediate family will be there. But it what's doesn't the, matter. What's the farthest you've had a fight? I'm uh, sorry, say, it's breaking up a little bit. Probably either 29 Palms or downtown LA. So just a couple hours. Yeah. What? Um, now you, the amateur thing. You know, when uh, when like Bellator comes to town, I know that they have generally they'll have a pretty big undercard of local fighters that they, uh, you know, they don't pay a ton to, but uh, 
you know, the guy sells some tickets and it kind of mm-hmm. gets the, gets them on a bigger card. Would that be something that you would be interested in? Or, um, you know, is that kind of how you see you starting, uh, starting your pro career? And, uh, if that offer were to come sooner than later, would you, would you take it? Or are you pretty locked in on a couple more amateur fights? Um, if the opportunity to prevent itself, then why not? Uh, I would definitely take it. Bellator's a good promotion and I would love to fight there. Manager, or you guys use the same manager at the at the gym, or, or are you doing everything yourself? Because the reason I ask is I know Eddie Alvarez talked about it not that long ago. He was up until he said like that when the contracts became more than three pages long, he was like, "I need a manager." So uh, how 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 are you handling your uh, your fight booking? Someone doing it for you? Um, Sam gets me all my fights and opponents, um, so I don't really have to worry too much about that. I just train, make sure mm-hmm. my weight's good. Sam takes care of everything, so it's pretty nice. nice. All you do is sign the dotted line and train. What do you uh, What do you cut down from? I mean, that's kind of the topic of MMA, especially with the uh, Nico Montano situation uh, that took place last weekend at UFC. Um, how much weight do you generally cut to get to 135? Uh, normally, I'm about 145. Um, sometimes I'll maybe get up to 150, but I'm float at 45, and I'll cut to 35. So it's not very bad. Um, I diet most of it, and then I'll cut like a few pounds of water. So it's pretty easy. Um, Sam thinks I should go down to twenty five as a pro. Yeah, that's. I mean, that's a it's a big jump when you when you only weigh one hundred forty five pounds. I mean, the, the yeah. news of uh, Montano coming in on Tuesday to fight week at one forty four when she fights at one twenty five was pretty uh, was pretty crazy. Um, you know, I don't know. I having never done a weight cut like that ever. I just I. At this point, I don't. It seems like you'd kill yourself. Um, yeah. Eventually, uh, somebody big name's going to end up killing themselves if they if they try to lose twenty pounds in in two days. Um, have Have any of your opponents missed weight, or have you been lucky enough to have everybody show up professional to your fights? Um, I think everyone's made weight for the most part. Maybe missed it by like an ounce or two, but um, at the amateur level, you know, I don't care about that. We're not getting paid. We'll just fight. How that's, is one, it? that's one thing I always find uh, fascinating with you guys. I mean, there's guys I train with, too, that do have uh, a few amateur fights under their belt. Um, I mean, the motivation, obviously, right now is is it's the glory of winning and the, the glory of battle and things like that. Uh, the, the energy that like the energy that showed in that video with that finish you got. So um, like uh, does uh, when people talk business, does that kind of poison it a little for you? Does it does it make you nervous or put a bad taste in your mouth? Not really. Um, I love everything about the sport. So, training, making weight sucks, but look good, feel good. Um, I love everything about it. How do ladies like it out there? Has it been, you got, you got a, a female fan base? Um, I don't. Re- I don't really know. <laughs> I don't know how to answer that. Isn't that what Instagram is for? That's what I hear. I just made my Instagram account, so I don't know. I'm an old man, so you guys got to tell me. I just made mine too, so I don't really know. <laughs> awesome. Well, we appreciate you coming on, Mason. Um, no problem. We'll, we'll definitely uh, hit up any of our contacts and see what we can do to try to help you get a fight. And uh, you know, I'm sure I'll be seeing you around town or at any of these fights. I'm going to look into definitely. that uh, that 29th event. I know that's the night of the big uh, Bellator Musashi uh, McDonald fight, but. Uh, uh, I'll have to check into the other one, maybe sneak over there for, for a couple hours, check out some of the fights and uh, and get get a chance to meet you in person. Um, do you want to throw out your Instagram and, and Twitter handles here? Uh, yeah, sure. My Instagram is just my name at Mason, M-A-S-O-N, Icabellis, I-A-C-O-B-E-L-L-I-S, all one word. And then my Twitter is at Big Daddy Mace. All right, every... 15, so. <laughs> All right. Well, again, we uh, we appreciate you joining us, and uh, we'll be looking to hear if uh, if you get a fight or anything uh, lined up, uh, hit us up, and we'd be happy to have you back on to uh, announce the fight or or uh, hype it up a little bit and um, and help you as much as we can. Again, we appreciate you coming on and uh, let the guys at Team Quest know that uh, anybody who wants to come on and uh, talk about the fights or uh, just fans of the sport, uh, you know, we we love hearing from guys at that gym. Sounds good. Thank you very much for having me. Appreciate it. All right. Thanks, Mason. Have a good one. See you guys.
do. Cool. So, uh, so that was fun. Uh, you know, hopefully he's able to get some, uh, some fights lined up. And, uh, like you said, it's always interesting having, uh, somebody taking so many amateur fights. Um, you know, I guess the upside is that your record's not really hover held against you. Um, but, uh, seems like you'd eventually well, want to start mean, collecting a paycheck. Yeah. I mean, it's definitely, a, it, it's, it's where you find out the folks that want to do it and, and the folks that can't like, I mean, I cut weight for uh, I remember when I cut weight for the Grappler's Quest Copa Atlantica when I first started doing jujitsu, and that alone was like you know I, I that was when I was I I said to myself I said this is I, as much as I love martial arts and I love training and stuff but this is for the birds I ain't I can't be doing this <laughs> so so that's what, how I knew that that's what separates the hobbyist from the guys that like him that that are obviously uh, uh, uh they handle it like a job even though they're not getting paid and that, and you know when you have a passion for something that's how you that's how you should handle uh, anything that you have a passion for you know so i mean my hats off to him i hope he gets uh, i hope he gets everything he wants done that he wants to to do because it's uh it's it's for me it's it's it, seeing with young young folks like that i mean the world is their oyster and when they know it at, at such a young age it's really uh i mean it's really inspiring even to an old fart like myself <laughs> So, yeah, well, I mean, to have nine fights at, at 21 years of age, I mean, he's he's ahead of the game already, um, even though he's already suffered a couple losses. So he kind of, you know, he's known how to bounce back from those. He's already avenged a loss. You know, it's got to it, that's got to be that's all positives. I mean, he play he has a great gym, great coach, um, good fighters around him. So, you know, I imagine once the time comes for him to kind of jump into the professional level and he'll be uh, he'll be more than ready Um for what, what he's challenged with. Uh, with all that said, I think I owe you a couple beers based off of our picks from UFC 228. Yeah. Um, yeah. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> uh, you know, we had the, uh, the Aljamain Sterling, uh, uh, Cody Stamen fight. And I mean, what can you really say? Uh, Sulu of uh, stretch uh, leg lock on uh, by, you know, done by Sterling. That was, uh, that was pretty damn awesome. It was so good that Zabit had to bite him off later off in the fight and do the same move. That's pretty, how good it was. You know, pretty wild that in mm-hmm. uh, almost 500 UFC events, there had only that had only happened one time, and um, I think it was performed by Kenny Robinson at, at UFC uh, 157 yeah. uh, here, here in Anaheim. Actually, that was the uh, the Rousey uh, Carmouche uh, event, um, and and for it to happen, you know, that only one time in all those events, and then have it twice in a matter of about four bouts. Um, pretty damn wild well, yeah the um the uh uh whatchamacallit the uh it was crazy because there was a uh, oh it was the fight the nico montano fight because that got scratched but I, I had her picked and that that fight went away but i had tweeted out my picks and all of them won like earlier that night i had tweeted them out when i was seeing my dad because i thought people were gonna like say something to me over uh them but all everybody everybody won pretty much the way i thought with the exception of um Andrade because she got that knockout instead of the submission that I thought she was going to get. Yeah, I mean, uh, this was another one of those events where people were kind of sleeping on it. Um, but my God, it turned out to be a night of violence. So, you know, we talked about everything on the fight pass prelims on up uh, last week. And, you know, the Irina Aldana uh, uh, Pudilova fight turned out to be one of the one of the best female uh, mixed martial arts fights of all time. Uh, just a bloody battle back and forth. And and Jim Miller and uh, Diego Sanchez both turned back the clock and uh, had outstanding performances uh, and victories for themselves. I mean, you know, it, it really, from top to bottom, the whole night was just was just outstanding. The uh... quick before we, uh, I just wanted to, because uh, we were talking about it before we went live. So, so are do you think they're going to push up uh, uh, Nate Diaz and Dustin Poirier to the main event, or or is that just? speculation because i can't think of anything else. i mean we the last two weeks in a row like what's up with ufc 230 <laughs> no i i think um i heard tickets go on sale the 21st to the public so that's uh-huh. um during the pay-per-view uh joe rogan hinted that that they were working on something so uh you Didn't know i got it. Yeah, he, it was uh, it was after one, I believe the first pay per view fight. It kind of he kind of hinted at it. I think they did a little commercial or, or something. I 
my my feed kind of let out a little bit during it, but um, yeah, the, I saw it on Twitter that he was mentioning that that something was in the works. Um, I'm starting to think it's going to be TJ and Cejudo. Um, they showed uh, Cejudo in the crowd, and and uh, and R- Rogan kind of. It was shortly after that, and Rogan kind of made a a little bit of a not a gesture, but a you know a, a kind of a comment or a you know a, a expression that kind of led me to believe maybe that that was hinting that that was kind of what he was what he was uh, insinuating. So you know, I mean, we talk about MSG level at this point. That's a damn good fight. Um, so if that happens to be the main event. Um, the John Jones thing still seems far fetched to me. Um, but, uh, the other thing that, you know, seemed to be kind of sneaking in was, uh, you know, Woodley basically in the main event had a flawless victory and, um, didn't even get hit. Yeah. Um, I mean, I guess he got hit with two punches, but none of uh, zero significant strikes. It was the longest fight in title fight history that anybody had ever went without landing a significant strike. It was like nine minutes and 45 seconds. The previous record was like three minutes. Um, you know, and then you had the Rousey fights where she, she finished as Zingano in 14 seconds. So I think it was pretty much a record that's going to stand forever uh, that Till's not going to really like that, you know, <laughs> nine, you know, almost two full rounds without landing a, uh, a punch. Um, but he actually said, uh, well, we're, we're, it's, we haven't heard anything yet, but um, you know, someone asked him if, if because of uh, obviously he's all right. If uh, he would do uh, him and Covington for for UFC two thirty, and uh, you know, like that that seems to keep popping up, and Covington's all all over social media again because of it. The things he said in the post fight press conference, um, it just seems like uh, I mean, I I don't know. I I think I don't think I would mind that if that was uh. It seems like the hype it would be right for it if if they did it like soon. You know yeah, I mean? exactly. And and you know, if you would have asked me a couple of weeks ago, I would have been kind of uh, you know not as not as up on that fight. But the fact of the matter is, Tyrone Woodley went in there and destroyed Darren Till. Um, right now, he's kind of at the peak. He's he's he doesn't really have a whole lot of other options. You know, there's the Covington thing if the UFC wants to go that route. But then there's also the GSP thing. Um, you talk about a, a you know MSG level thing, uh, you know event fight. The UFC gets desperate enough, and they throw out, start throwing out uh, you know not you know seven figure numbers at, at somebody like GSP and and, and Woodley. Um, I don't know. It, it's only two months out. Actually, inside of that now, we're about you know seven seven weeks out. But uh, you know, I I don't think it's so far fetched to think that we, you know, the UFC could try to pull together Tyrone Woodley and, and GSP. I know Woodley in his interviews talks about being the greatest Walter weight, and um, generally the consensus in most of the MMA world is that GSP is. Um, it would be a quick turnaround, but that might be something that might motivate Woodley to want to to make the cut and do it again. Um, I don't know. I, that's that's what I'm down to. I'm down to the the Woodley Covington Woodley GSP. Uh, Cejudo uh, and Dillashaw. Um, I don't. I don't really see anything else unless well, they're. You know, you know, I just, you know I that uh, GSP is doing that test cut to to one fifty five. So I feel. I mean, the, all the speculation is that he, they're trying to use him to for a future winner of uh, two twenty nine. But I mean that I think that would do it too. I mean, you put GSP in the garden, that's going to draw at any weight. So. I think, uh, I mean, even though Tyrone Woodley said he's kind of overfighting GSP, but not for nothing, that's a money fight too. That's a money fight that would draw for another title again in Madison Square Garden a year later. Like that, that's, that's, they got a lot of, they, they, they have all these options that they need to move on quickly. Yeah. I mean, that, that's the thing. It's the money fight. Woodley can say it and I'm sure he's a little bit, you know, fed up. But the fact of the matter is now that statement he made last weekend puts him in that conversation. Um, you know, I'm not one to sit here and act like I'm the world's biggest Woodley fan. You know, I've rooted for him. I've rooted against him in fights. Um, but he, he's put his name on that Mount Rushmore of the 170 pound division. And um, if, if, uh, if, if uh, GSP's down, I think that's a fight you have to take. I don't really get into the GSP 155 pound thing. I don't really see any reason for it. Um, I'm not real big on, on guys that dominate weight classes, cutting weight to go to a smaller weight class. I don't really see anything in that. 
Um, I, I think Khabib or Connor could both go up to 170. Um, they both have fought at 170, and if that's the fight they want to have with GSP, let's do it at 170. Um, I, you know, at a guy that old in his career, he just says last fight at 185. I don't need to see him drop to 155. Um, doesn't seem necessary. Not with Woodley there. Woodley's the kind of the money fight for him to defend the honor of his uh, 170 pound, you know, crown. Um, obviously that would be the fight. Um, I don't see Poirier Diaz being the main event, um, unless stuff falls apart or they're just, they just have to announce something. But, um, you know, with, like I said, the ticket date, you know, the, the fight club presale in theory should be a week from tomorrow. So I'm guessing tomorrow on UFC tonight, um, they're going to have to have something, uh, something to announce. Um, the GSP thing's a little bit, or not the GSP, the John Jones thing is becoming a little bit more and more suspicious um, with the announcement today that uh, Fabricio Verdun tested positive for a steroid and he was suspended for two years. Um, he tested positive in April of this year for a, for a banned substance and was already given his, uh, his suspension. John Jones tested positive in July of last year yeah. and uh, we haven't heard anything in, in 14 months now. So I don't know um, what that's all about. Seems awfully odd to me that, that somebody could test positive two months ago and already have a two-year suspension. And you have another guy who tested positive well over a year ago now, and uh, we still haven't heard anything about an f- official suspension or or uh, any kind of recourse for his uh, multiple-time you know, uh, drug failure. So I don't know. I, it's it's one of those things where you know, obviously, I'm antsy about it. Uh, like I said, I. I hit up my ticket connection to find out when I'd be able to buy tickets. Cause I'm excited about it, but uh, I don't know. I, I just, I feel like there's gotta be something. I, I just can't, we, I said it before the gate and everything. And I know the rental fee for MSG is, is probably the highest in the country to rent out an arena. So yeah. I just don't see a, a top ticket price of $500, uh, which is in my opinion, what, what the, what the Diaz fight would bring. I, I don't think you'd have the, the, the monetary value to the UFC to, to have that fight be the, the headliner um, unless they're just willing to take it on the chin and just go, Hey, this is what we got. And, um, and if that's the case, then so be it. I'll, I'll have damn good seats that night and um, get to watch some really good fights. I know Weidman Rockholt uh, became official um, during the, the UFC 228 uh, pay-per-view as well. So, I mean, right now you've got, you've got a middleweight battle. The other odd thing is, um, that they the UFC website, the uh, UFC.com, the UFC Fight Club website, um, Google, uh, everybody still has the Romero Costa fight listed, and uh, yeah. everything I've heard or seen from those fighters is that that fight's not going down till January. So I yeah I, no it was back to January. You want yeah I know, but it seems weird to me that it's still advertised on every single outlet as as the fight card gets updated. Um, that fight stays on the fight card. So I don't know if that's something that... I mean, I, I, I would... <laughs> I'd imagine they're going to update it once they get a main event. I mean, that's it seems that seems to be like UFC 230 is this... Uh, it's like this just silent, this silent, like ops, this silent decoration in the room that no one's going to notice until a spotlight's put on it. So I'll... Because look, it, it, it's probably not a priority with, with uh, McGregor Khabib coming up next month. Obviously, that's their money maker with the the ticket selling out in three minutes. So it's kind of like um, something else was like that. I, I just talked about with somebody over at one of the sites I write for. Oh, like with uh, De La Hoya and his MMA venture. I reached out to, to, for media stuff. It doesn't seem like they they want to talk about it too much because they don't they don't want to overshadow Canelo Triple G this weekend. So I'm sure after Canelo Triple G is done, then we'll hear more about. Ortiz Liddell in the undercard and, and things like that, but um, so I think this that's what's happening there. I, I think once Connor and and Khabib get their uh, their fight out of the way, hopefully nothing happens. Seems like was it twenty two events now that 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 went south for the UFC. So hopefully nothing happens. Let's hope they don't close out the year with with, with bringing that number up. Yeah, um, I. That would be devastating. I don't honestly see how that could, uh, event could really continue. Um, I know they had especially the with you coming to New York. I mean, God forbid you come to New York and you bring your luck with you. <laughs> yeah, I, I don't want to see that fight move to New York unless ticket yeah. sales go on on sale early and then they add it. But yeah. um, I just don't see that happening right now unless uh, 
I don't see that happening. I think it would push off till, uh, till later. I mean, it would take both of them getting hurt. Uh, Ferguson's going to step in for, for either one of them. If, oh, yeah. Uh, you know, so that's, that's kind true. of the backup plan. So it would take a catastrophe for, for that to, to completely fall apart. Um, with that said, we, we talked about the, the Montano situation uh, and her not making weight or not even weight, getting a chance to the weigh-ins, um, being taken to the hospital and uh, talked about having some kidney failure and, and everything like that. Um, and then it came out that she weighed 144 pounds, uh, needing to cut down to 125 uh, in 48 hours. Uh, what was your opinion on them stripping her? I, in my opinion, anytime a champion misses weight, um, they should be stripped. Um, that's how it is in boxing. Um, this isn't just some undercard fighter. This is, uh, you know, somebody who's, who's supposed to be at the top level of the sport and, uh, to, to fail that miserably at it is, uh, to me is, is almost unforgivable and, and you should, you should have to give up your championship at that point. Well, yeah, I mean the, the the title has the uh the weight class attached to it, you know. So if you can't make the weight, then how do you defend that title? So it makes that in that sense, it makes sense stripping it. I mean, as far as her inactivity and stuff, I mean, uh, other people were citing other 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 fighters that that have been active for longer and stuff. But that's the key right there. What you just said, uh, you have to make the weight. I mean, everybody was worried about Darren Till. Darren Till's already talking about going up to one eighty five. So in some other universe, if he beat Tyron Woodley, you know, and became the champion, the, the first thing people would have said was, like, he's not going to defend that belt because he's going to go to 185, you know? So, um, yeah, I mean, she says she's going to try to get it back. She never missed weight before that. Uh, I don't know if she always fought at flyweight. I know she fought at King of the Cage. I'd have to, I, 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 she mentioned it that she never missed weight, but no one ever asked. Uh, I don't think anyone that she spoke to afterwards mentioned the weight. I mean, I do feel bad for her, you know, like it's, uh, it's, um, unfortunate that, that her body, uh, you know, sometimes that the, the mind won't want to do more than the body can handle. And that's what, again, and stuff, that's, uh, that's what separates them from, you know, the, the professionals from the hobbyist is their drive to, to try to, to try, that hard and and take that risk to to get there she obviously did it uh for the ultimate fighter uh show so who knows what happened i mean maybe it had something to do with all her medical issues after uh, that she that put her out and um she did say that i rushed back into action that either way uh a title strip was going to come if she didn't take the fight um that's what she said on uh when she spoke to luke thomas on monday so it seems like uh, maybe maybe her body wasn't ready. So I don't know. I don't want to. I don't want to disparage her for because obviously it was a medical issue. But and she wants to come back and fight. But yeah. I mean, I can't argue with the decision to do that because uh, I mean the champion has to be the champion at that weight. And Daniel Cormier, you know, you got people with two titles. Daniel Cormier, uh, Conor McGregor. I mean, they they make the weight for the titles they hold. So it's uh it's uh it's hard to argue against the you know for her is what I mean to say. Yeah, I mean that's just what it comes down to. She when you if you're the champion and you sign to fight, you have to make weight. If you don't make weight, then you either fight for the you either fight and you can't win your belt back, or you you forfeit the belt if you don't make weight and can't make the fight. So um, that's just the way it has to be. And and uh, inactivity is one thing. Um, if she didn't sign to you know if she didn't sign for the fight. Um, they probably wouldn't have stripped her. She would have been, could have probably bought a couple months, but uh, you know, if the UFC needs you to fight and you haven't yeah. had a fight in nine months and uh, you know, you, you, I don't know. It's kind Which of a uh, um, threat just to strip her. That's what she said on, on her interview with Luke Thomas. And we can only go by the, you know, the parties involved and what they say. The UFC obviously, you know, they'll either respond to stuff or they don't. So, but um, I mean, it, it wouldn't be the first story we've heard from fighters that fight for that promotion that talk about that they're, you know, they're sometimes they're being asked to do things they don't really want to do. They wanted her to dress up in feathers and headdress and stuff, and she was like, what, "Are you kidding me? Like, you know, what is it, 1980?" Yeah, no, I mean, there's, there's all we know, we know how it works. But the 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 fact of the matter is that the bout was signed, you know, two and a half, almost three months ago. Um, 
and and two days before the weigh-in, she was still 19 pounds overweight. So it, it, it makes me wonder what she was a month ago, you know, and, and it's obviously a, a you know, a, a sticky subject when you start talking about, you know, people's weight and stuff like that. But, uh, you know, she's a professional athlete. If you're, if you're the 125 pound champion, um, you can't, you can't find yourself sitting at 160 pounds or, you know, I mean, we used to talk about Tito Ortiz cutting weight and 25 pounds. And it was like crazy. Well, he was cutting from 230 to 205. The idea of somebody cutting from 150 pounds down to, down to 125 to me just seems crazy. Um, unhealthy as it, as it proved to be. Um, I don't know what she got down to, you know, I don't, you know, that was never uh, disclosed. So I don't know if she even got close, but um, you know, I can't imagine she, you know, went from 144 to much, you know, much under 130, um, still 24 hours out from the, the actual weigh-in. So I don't know, but, but that's where it is. Uh, What's weird is that she looked good. It, it, if you watch like you, her interviews, you'll see tonight, the open workouts, the media day stuff. She did. She, she seemed fine. So that's, what's crazy about it. I mean, a lot of, a lot of, it's not the first one. Like there's fighters that seem all right. I mean, with the exception of like the Max Holloway thing, um, you know, uh, where people notice things like she didn't have any of those little cues that seem like she was she's having a bad cut. Well, one, one, might, mean, one, hey. might, one might argue she was having no cut at all. <laughs> yeah. yeah. Hey, I mean, with, with the numbers, I think I read something uh, recently, like there's something that says they have to come in within a certain amount of pounds on fight. I forget what the number is. I think it's like eight pounds or something. It's it's like 10% or 12% or something like that. So she was way over. Um, I think the the recommended weight for her to be would have been like 138 or something like that. So she was already like six pounds over that. But uh, that's another one. You know, I don't know if the UFC gets desperate and just looks for a title fight. I could see Shevchenko versus uh, Jin Jacek um, if they just wanted to do a 125-pound uh, championship fight at MSG just to have a title fight on the card. That's not one that I, I, I could see that one also uh, slipping in there if, if they just get desperate for a, for a title fight or a headliner. Um, yeah, I mean, that. yeah. I mean, I don't know if that – I don't know if that's – well, uh uh, Joanna does. She's got a fan base in New York City, so uh, I could see that. I could. She's see got that. a fan base. She fought there. She defended the title there. Um, she fought there twice. She actually defended and lost the title there. Um, she has a little bit of a history. She's actually got two losses to Shevchenko in in Muay Thai, um, and she's always rumored to go up from one fifteen to one twenty five. So I could just see that being thrown together if they wanted a couple name uh, female fighters just to to put on a card, just say they have a title fight, and then just it advertise it just as a real loaded uh, main card. Uh, before we go uh, this weekend, we also, uh, we have UFC Moscow, the UFC's first uh, venture to Russia. Um, the card has, you know, guys from Andre Arlovsky to Tiago Alves, Peter Yan, uh, Rustam Kabilov, um, and a whole bunch of other, uh, you know, Russian, Russian fighters coming in, a couple guys coming in from M1. Um, but the main event, the Vashvili from Sarah camp. <laughs> I don't. I don't see Divashvili on the fight card, but um, oh, he is. Yeah, he is. He's fighting uh, Terry and Ware. Uh, yeah, that's that uh, <laughs> is that is, uh, is there he is. It looks like he's the opening bout that evening right now. Yeah. Um, I like but, that guy. Uh, <laughs> the uh, what fight did he have? He had the one. Uh, he had the one where it was questionable. Uh, yeah, uh, tap out or stoppage, right? Yeah, yeah. Uh, fairly recently, uh, he's but the, entertaining to watch. Though. He's an entertaining fighter. The uh, the main event that night is longtime uh, K one legend, Pride legend, uh, now UFC legend Mark Hunt, and he takes on uh, the the master of the Ezekiel choke, uh, Alexi Olenek, who, who who's got like sixty wins, has beaten everybody from Crow Cop to to Travis Brown to, I mean, just a, a gigantic list of. Uh, of, of people on his resume, um, you know, not going to go down the whole card, but uh, how do you see the uh, that main event unfolding? What's your what's your prediction for that one? I mean, I, I like I I'm a fan of Mark Hunt and everything, like everybody else, but you know, rusty lately. I mean, he's got a bad taste in his mouth with the promotion. Um, it's in Russia. 
<laughs> like, are, I'm, I, I honestly, I, I, I'm, uh, I'm picking uh, Alexi Olenek to to win that one. Yeah, I'm leaning that way as well. Um, I, I, a lot of it, like you said, comes. Uh, what's Mark Hunt's uh, motivation? What kind of uh, shape does he come in? If he comes in good shapes and able to sprawl and and obviously land a big punch, then it 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 goes his way uh, pretty heavy. Uh, Olenek doesn't have really uh, his striking is 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 nothing to uh, necessarily write home about, but his uh, his wrestling and submission game is uh, is almost you know it is top level. Uh, on the level of Verdun and Mir and, and those guys at the heavyweight division. Some might argue that he's uh, even, even better than those guys. Um, so yeah, I, I lean towards uh, if the fight, if it ends early, I think Olianek uh, takes him down and, and is able to work a sub, uh, maybe an Anaconda choke, uh, something like that. Um, but uh, if the fight goes on and, and, and uh, Hunt's able to, uh, to avoid the submissions for a round or two, I think he could end up actually landing a big punch, but um, I'll go on record uh, taking only an by dis, uh, submission. Um, I'm actually going to go with round one. I think he'll, uh, he'll get him down quick and, uh, and work something, uh, work something from the top position. Yeah. I mean, I don't know if he'll, he can get him down quick. We'll, we'll know when the fight opens up, but cause like Mark, Mark Hunt always has that, that chance to, I mean, he's got the puncher's chance to land his, his devastating punch. Excuse me, but um, you know it's uh it's one of those things where even if it goes a distance, lately it it seems like you can see the motivation leaving Mark Hunt when the fights go to the distance. You know what I mean? And um, he kind of just survives to to for it to go to the judges. Uh, I don't know, man. I mean, they're both actually not that far apart in age or anything like that. It just seems the Olenek just still has a. Uh, a different outlook versus Hunt when it comes to fighting there. I feel like if if Hunt's contract ran out, he'd be either he'd retire or he'd be wait out the the, the match period so he can get a call from Coker or something. I feel like he'd be he'd be a better heavyweight at, at Bellator if he did a move like that. Yeah, I mean, uh, he's up there in age. What's he forty four, forty five now? So, you know, I, I have a feeling that if, uh, if this fight, he loses this fight, we could see him, uh, perhaps finishing his career in, in Ryzen, um, in Japan where, where it all started for him. So, um, you know, and, and potentially next year, you know, I saw a thing where, uh, you know, you could have guys like Fedor, Krokop, Hunt, uh, Verdun, Mir, uh, Karatanov, a bunch of guys who are potential free agents, um, in 2019, um, which would make for a for a hell of a, 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 a rising Grand Prix. So I don't know. Uh, I'm trying to find the start time because it, it's in Russia. It looks to me like the main card starts at it says 11 a.m. I'm not sure if that's uh, Eastern or Pacific, but I think that that's probably uh, Eastern time. Yeah, I um, know it's like uh, I'm I'm probably gonna, I'll, I'll be I'll be training when it happens. So I, I know I'm not gonna, I'm going to, I'll watch it later, but um, yeah, it's definitely, uh, it's definitely um, one of those middle of the day cards. Saturday, you know, the UFC doesn't like to try to compete with boxing when the big boxing pay-per-view, the triple G Canelo's on in that evening. And then um, uh, flow combat has the MMA pro league that we interviewed. We had Mark Taffet on here also on Saturday uh, Saturday night, so uh, it would be best for them to get out of the way in the middle of the day. Yeah, well, it'll be it'll it'll make for a, a fun day of viewing uh, when you got that on, and then um, and then you got the uh, like you said the uh, the uh, Canelo Triple G fight. Um, I look forward to that one. Um, might have to find a bar or something because hundred dollar pay per view for a, a single boxing matches. Is asinine <laughs> even for a, a yeah. fight, even for one of the uh, uh, few big name uh, American uh, boxing matches that's that's uh, worth watching. Um, I you know hopefully I watch the first fight and uh, I'd like to see Triple G get that win and get his hand raised uh, after uh, I think he won the first fight uh, pretty dominantly and, and fell victim to the uh, the Vegas boxing uh, Adelaide Bird. Uh, <laughs> debacle so uh so there's that um yeah so ufc boxing uh uh what the the pro fight league uh 
looks like it's going to be a fun weekend. And then uh, we come up next week, we'll be uh, previewing uh, Bellator uh, 205, which is on uh, September 24th. Oh, real, real quick, uh, there's also, uh, if, if you're not interested in any of those things, the submission thing, I put it out on my Twitter, uh, Men of War. It's a submission-only thing. It's here in Jersey. One of my training partners does the uh, – he's uh, actually in that eight-man tournament. And um, you can watch that on Fight Tuning It, even though we're no longer an affiliate of the damn streaming service. But we uh, – yeah, that's my boy fighting on there. So I'll, I'm actually probably going to be at that with him um, versus uh, watching uh, uh, Canel Triple G to, to home and stuff without being earlier in that afternoon. So – Closer to home, and um, I'm not gonna. I don't know if I'm gonna make it to Atlantic City for the MMA Pro League, but uh, most likely that's what I'll be at. So if you have Fight TV, it's a fifteen dollar pay per view for an eight man grappling tournament. Awesome! So uh, another good show. Uh, again, fans can uh, follow us at Combat Hour on Twitter. Uh, myself at MMA Hawk Twenty One on Twitter and Instagram. You can follow Ed at Carbazal on Twitter or at Carbeer. Zal on Instagram. Um, Ed, uh, uh, survive that hurricane, brother. Uh, hopefully, it doesn't come too far up the East Coast and uh, and everybody well, around you is safe. I'm actually watching right now. They're saying now it's kind of going to come closer. Son of a bitch. We we can't catch a break in Jersey. They should just sink us all. <laughs> <laughs> oh man! All right. Well, hang in there, brother. And uh, you know, obviously. Uh, We'll all be uh, we'll hoping for the best with that. And uh, that goes for everybody up and down the East Coast. Uh, I know John Lucas, one of our guests, is in South Carolina. So oh, yeah. ho- hopefully he's okay. And, um, and uh, we look forward, to, uh, I look forward to talking to you next week and uh, hearing any stories you have about, uh, about the wind rattling your, uh, your windows there at your place. So, Hurricane uh, survival or fights, one of those things will be the topic for next week. Yeah, we can have earthquakes here and still get a show. <laughs> Hard to have a show with with a hurricane going on. Yeah. So, so hang in there, brother. Keep me updated, and uh, look forward to talking about uh, this week's weekend's action with you uh, with you next week. All right, man. Peace. Peace.